Strange things are afoot at the Circle K. That kid is back on the escalator again. Hand on her. Is my boomstick. Game over, man. Game over. Welcome to the Bargain Bin. He is your host, Ben Mason. And he is your co-host, Sandra Luketic. And today we're talking 1992's Buffy the Vampire Slayer. We assume if you're listening to this episode, you've already seen the movie. All right, buddy. Um, I was really excited when you suggested this last time. Uh, I had not seen it since 1992. Um, I was not prepared for what I watched. Uh, <laughs> how... Uh, how how were you going into this? When was the last time you saw this movie? I want to derail that entirely first. I saw it when it was brand new, but I want to clarify to people how this pick came to be because the episode that you alluded to never got released. Oh, yes. My apologies. So this is actually our June fan pick um, episode. We didn't get any submissions. So at the end of the episode that we lost... I told Ben that moving forward, anytime we don't get a fan pick, I'm going to pick the movie for that month. So if you want to avoid me having to put Ben through a movie, which I have a fantastic track record of, then we need your entries when we put up those posts. Just start suggesting movies now. It doesn't even matter. Just send them now immediately. Uh, Twitter, uh YouTube comments, email, anything, please, for the love of God, please don't let him pick any more. So there will be official posts for the fan picks, which we will take entries from. It's generally the last month or the last week of the month, and they'll be up for about a week for you guys to submit your entries. So just keep an eye out for that. There's a post on both Facebook and Twitter. We'll take entries from both. All right, did it come across like I didn't want to talk about this movie or didn't appreciate it? I I, I got that feeling. I got that feeling. Um, yeah. My apologies. All right. Well, we should probably get into this then. You said you saw this when it was brand new. Yes. Yeah. I haven't seen it since. I, I don't like I didn't see it in the theater or anything. I would have rented it. So it would have been maybe within a year of it coming out. Um, okay. But then I haven't seen it since. I was just playing off of memories I had of it from when I saw it as a kid. Okay. Well, this this movie's almost 30 years old. Um, wow, that's crazy, eh? We're getting old. Oh, yeah. No, trust me. My, my back and my knees remind me of that on a daily basis. But, <laughs> um, yeah, it, it does not feel like I watched this movie 29 years ago. Um, honestly, it doesn't look like it's a 30-year-old movie. Um I, I had very fond memories of this film, and uh, I I didn't know up until a few years ago that it was uh, uh, Joss Whedon's uh, first uh, film that he wrote. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, it well, also makes perfect sense when you look at his track record now. It is also, um, I think it was in the IMDb trivia that I was scanning through. It's also not the movie that he wanted to make, and he was actually quite upset with the I think it said it was producer rewrites which almost entirely changed the movie you know what's amazing about that what's that that's most of his writing credits are rewrites hmm. so his main complaint about the movie that he first wrote is what he ended up doing to almost 
every other project he worked on that other people originally wrote. Well, I mean, I know that what a few of the examples they had on the website, his version was a lot darker and a lot more, like, not mature mature, but not as childish as this. Which is very funny when you go on to realize how much he worked on the uh, the Buffy television series, which is, uh, for the most part, pretty lighthearted and childish. Yeah, yeah. I mean... I would of, love to see what his original intent was for this. One of uh, the examples they bring up is that in the movie um, where Merrick uh, dies, in his version... Merrick, spoilers! Come on, Ben. Um... <laughs> And I mean, I'm going to tell you a version that doesn't happen in the movie. So, okay. uh, in in apparently in his version, he wrote that Merrick committed suicide to prevent um, revealing Buffy's identity. That's awesome. So if you if you think of that versus what we saw in this actual movie, um, that's a drastic difference. Like. For him to be being, like, tortured and questioned by Lothos and killing himself in order to prevent Buffy's identity from being found would not have worked with pretty much the entire tone and, and feeling of the movie we actually got. Yeah. But apparently that's what it was. And from what I read, he was quite unhappy with the production of this movie because the majority of it is not what he wrote. I find that very interesting. I, if that's the tone he was going for for the entire film, fucking sign me up for that. I would love to watch that because I gave him a lot of shit for this movie. One of the um, one of the other trivia points on there was that apparently nobody really enjoyed working with Donald Sutherland on this one because uh, because yeah. he pretty much um, uh, ad libbed like all of his lines and none of them were like what he wrote. Yeah, uh, that's not the first time I've heard about problems with, well, that family, really. Uh, with him or uh, Kiefer in particular. But if you just think about it, producers changing the writing, something as big as like the Merrick scene, and then you also have a guy like Donald Sutherland ad-libbing the lines, which is going to change a lot of like the other actors' reactions and edits to the movie... I can see how this is not the movie that he intended to make. Yeah, I, that does make sense. I'm pretty sure, is this not the only film or the last film that this director did as well? No idea, man. You're the director guy. I don't even know who directed this. Fran Rubel Kazooie. Um, pretty sure this was, if not the first and only, the second and final film they directed. Hmm. Well... Also, I, I, I love that that Donald Sutherland trivia because when you look at a lot of his movies, he speaks the exact same way in every film every now and then to convey anger. He'll just kind of shout the lines out, but he still talks the same way. So, yeah, I could easily see that his improvisation being the cause of all of the horrible stories I've heard of people who have been forced to work with him. Interesting. Very interesting. And real quick, this um, Fran Rubel... Kazooie? I'm not sure how that's pronounced. I apologize. Um, wrote and directed a movie called Tokyo Pop in 1988. And then Buffy was his second and last one. Anyway, that's a lot of uh, random bat 
banter, why don't we get into the plot of the movie? All right, man. Uh, I do have to say this before we really get into it. Um, it took me six hours to get through the first 16 minutes of this film to make notes on it. So I'm pretty sure my attitude comes through, at least for the first few bits of notes. Uh, my apologies in advance. Or not. Fuck it. Whatever. Just take it for what it is. <laughs> You're entitled to your opinion, but stop procrastinating. <laughs> All right. I'm starting now. Good? Yep. Good. A voiceover lets us know that vampires have been around as long as mankind. Their only true enemy is the Slayer. This is told over a scene set in Europe during the Dark Ages with Christy Swanson and Donald Sutherland, blatantly showing that reincarnation has to exist in this film world. Cut to modern day Buffy during a high school cheerleading performance. The music firmly setting this film in the early 90s with some horrible R&B. <laughs> That song is so terrible, man. Can, can we start off? The first voiceover tells you that their only enemy was the Slayer. Yeah, the only enemy. The only enemy. So are we to believe that Pike was also a Slayer? Because I'm pretty sure he had some part in it, this movie. Yeah, apparently. Apparently his lineage just wasn't covered. Only enemy. Yep. Uh... Let's move on to state that this school has the creepiest pig mascot I have ever seen. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it, it also has the shittiest basketball coach ever who throws out rallying lines such as, I am a person, I have a right to the ball. And that's supposed to just instill passion and, I don't know, not sportsmanship so much, but come on. Can I? The one thing. Can I yeah. write? Right now, excuse myself from discussing any of the basketball scenes. Sure, you're the basketball guy. I get that. I, I don't really understand the sport, but I didn't even appreciate what I saw in this movie. This coach wouldn't make it far. I'm telling you no, right of course now, not. this coach wouldn't oh, make I, it far. I go into the playbook later, man. <laughs> okay. Um, one thing I can say that was entertaining is that Hillary Swank is having a fucking blast dancing in the stands. <laughs> Do you but do you actually believe that like friends of like cheerleaders are in the stands miming the routine as they're doing it? Uh yeah, well especially if it's the next karate kid. Wax on, wax off, motherfucker. Like like if she she could be having fun and cheering, but she doesn't need to be like miming the routine. It just makes me think like go be a cheerleader. Well, that's the thing, too. Like, if she's not on the cheerleader squad, how does she know the moves? It's a sad life if you're just sitting there watching cheerleading practice because you can't be a part of it. I spend my days dreaming of being a cheerleader and wearing a really terrible yellow leather jacket. Just do it. Just join the team. You're already friends with them. <laughs> well, the performance is done now, so game on. And then we cut immediately to the mall post-game. Uh, On-screen text reads, Southern California, the light ages. And I do have to say, I did kind of chuckle at that and groan at the same time. <sighs> this is your pick, man. You I... can't sigh yet. <laughs> <laughs> Buffy and three friends step onto the escalator. Buffy's complaining about one of her teachers telling her she has no sense of history. She exclaims, I have no sense of history? He wears a brown tie. Your pick, man. More, more terrible Joss Whedon writing. 
firmly establishes that these four girls are idiots. I wish I had that recording <laughs> so that I could play back where you were excited to do this movie. I was so excited. I remember loving this movie. Of course, I was 10. Stupid writing works for 10-year-olds. They debate going to the movies, then proceed to make fun of every theater chain. They get into an elevator, and the door is just about closed when it's stopped by Donald Sutherland, who plays Merrick. The girls protest and make fun of his appearance, calling him homeless, and he lets the door close. At this point, I just want vampires to kill all of them. <laughs> End of movie. I'll be happy. Roll credits. Be like, yeah, this is fine. You can tell I was loving it at this point, right? Yes. Yes, you're yeah, absolutely it, it, loving it. Oh, it gets fucking better, sir. Merrick watches the girls as they head to the movies. Inside the theater, Nikki, played by Paris Vaughn, who is 30 when this movie was made, asks Buffy if Jeffrey is staying at her house while her parents are gone. Jennifer is jealous that Buffy's parents go away every weekend. Um, question. Mm-hmm. And, and this comes up in most of our recordings. Uh, the target audience... Um, was the target audience for this movie rich, ditzy valley girls? I I feel like no, right? Because I th I would think that if you were a rich valley girl, ditzy or not, you would watch this movie and be like, "Well, that's not what we're like." That's a exaggeration and a parody, so, man. right? I don't know I who hope this so. movie is for. I don't. I think. This yeah. I think this movie was for ten-year-old you. But, uh, mm, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but you're. Uh, what you said about um, the rewrites makes sense because this movie does flip about halfway in, and it does become enjoyable. So I'm wondering how much of the the second half was rewritten um, because it does feel like it has much more direction, uh, more purpose, and uh, more consistent writing. So uh, fuck, maybe I should. Um, who, who are we kidding? I'm not rewatching this movie. Um, That's more nice things than I expected you to say. I'm trying, man. Mm. I got a smile on my face. Uh, <laughs> Pike, played by Luke Perry, and Benny, David Arquette. Yeah, are sitting. Yeah, man. They're sitting behind them and are fed up with them talking during the movie, kicking their seats and telling them to shut up. Buffy turns around with a sneer, saying, "It could happen." and throws her sucker at Pike. I don't understand it, uh, but apparently they do, because the girls giggle like idiots. Um, and I have this note here written in all caps. This dialogue is absolute shit. There is no possible way this is how Valley Girls spoke in the 90s. I don't even want to talk about the dialogue, but I want to ask you a question that I feel has come up in a number of our more recent episodes. Sure, man. Are you supposed to like the character of Buffy? I don't think so. Um, and I can only say that having finished the film. Because you're stuck with this idiotic character acting this way for a good chunk of the movie. To the point where you're like, I don't think I can like this character. And there's a point that I will bring up later where it just kind of flips. And then all of a sudden, they're fine. All right, we'll see. You can see where I got this question from, though. Like, she's very unlikable. Yeah, yeah, definitely. And I was really worried that that would carry through the rest of the movie. And we're still pretty early on, so you could tell why I was fucking angry. 
Jeffrey, Andy, and Grueler pull up outside the mall acting like complete assholes. Par for the course. Uh, they're there to meet the girls and timed it perfectly as they're coming down the escalator after the film. Grueler jumps out of uh, jumps out of the car. Buffy slides over Andy and starts making out with Jeffrey. Andy cannot look away from Buffy's ass and in a typical 90s joke asks Jeffrey if he can borrow her. Buffy does not appreciate the joke. These are all fucking garbage people. Buffy tells Jeffrey she'll see him at her house and goes to rejoin the girls. Uh, this scene you could not see today. No, 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 no. Andy's character would not fly at all. No, um, there are some parts of his character that are a staple of teen comedies. Now, there's a massive problem with teen comedies, as we've seen with like Meatballs and Revenge of the Nerds and stuff like that. Um, but there are certain elements to the character that will just show up no matter if it's like uh, a teen horror film, a teen horror comedy, teen comedy, but that sidekick comedic relief character always has certain characteristics that Andy does have, but yeah, here they are definitely over the top. Uh, did you recognize Grueler at all? No. It's Asha Jensen. Um, he is from Dazed and Confused. Uh, now, I'm not going to assume that you saw that, because every time I do that, I'm wrong. So I'm just going to say that you haven't seen Dazed and Confused? I've seen it. I just saw it. Fuck! Just... Okay. <laughs> God damn it. I saw it I a can't long... win. I saw it a long time ago, so I don't remember too much of it. Um, but All right. I've seen it. Okay. Um, Was he the guy who he... wore the like the beanie hat the whole time and had long hair? Uh, no, that was Rory Cochran. That's Lucas from uh, Empire Records. <sighs> Similar yeah. look. No, um, Sasha Jensen in uh, in Days of Confused. I'm drawing a blank on his name right now, but he was wearing the purple t-shirt and the blue denim overalls. Okay. Uh, I will take your word for it. Uh, I, I do think that this is the best acting I've ever seen him do, though. Uh, and that really did make me happy because I always thought that he was just kind of cast for his unique looks, but his acting skills really come through in this movie, so I was pretty stoked about that. Yeah, he anyway, was pretty he, good. I didn't, I didn't mind his character. I didn't yeah. think he was an asshole in this scene like the other two guys. And yeah, it's weird because he's the one that I really recognized, and he just jumps out of the car and leaves. I was like, oh. Why did he leave? I don't know. Because he's not walking anywhere close. Like, if if Buffy and her friends aren't getting in the car and he has to make room for them, for example, why are his buddies such jerks that they won't just give him a ride home? I don't know. And it's not like they're picking up the girls to take them anywhere. They're just stopping by. And then they leave. It, it only would have made sense if, like, Andrew was like, all right, or sorry, Jeffrey was like, get out of the car, guys. Going home with Buffy. Yeah. I don't I don't I don't know. I just I can only assume that Grueler's taking a shortcut home. Um but like I it, does he just walk through a permanent fairground? Like that weird carnival kind of exhibition setting? It feels like it. Yeah, it feels like it's constantly there. Which makes me wonder if it's always there and it looks like it's in, you know, a decent state, not in need of repair, how Lothos can set up camp there and nobody notices. 
I mean, yeah, it could be an old abandoned fair that doesn't get used. Um, but but all the lighting and everything works still. Yeah, the only way that I could see this making sense is if the vampire brood was the carnival, and all of the vampires were caught ca- like were guised as carnies. Oh my god, vampire carnies! And then they have a reason to go from town to town across country, you know, getting new members of their brood, and nobody's going to question freaks at a carnival. Oh my god, that has to have been made already, right? I, I, I don't know. If it is, it's not where I got the idea from. I'm just saying that that would have been the only way that I would have accepted that Lothos like, had like a headquarters there, because if Again, if they were the traveling group, then he would have an established place that's going with him from town to town to town. Vampire Carnies is such a great idea. You're welcome. Thanks, I'll get on that one, man. <laughs> Sorry, uh, uh, where was I? Oh, yeah, yeah. So he takes the shortcut home, we guess, through the fairground. Um, he hears noises behind him and turns to threaten whoever's making them, only to see Amelin, I hate that name, uh, played by Paul Rubens, Pee Wee Herman, on the carousel, giving him his best vampire stare. <laughs> it's, a, um, it's a good thing that we weren't introduced to Paul Rubens in the movie theaters. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, when did when did that go down? Did that go down after this movie came out? I have no idea, man. Uh, okay, um, I'm I'm gonna look that up right now because I feel like that joke was made while I was watching this movie by the dad of the uh, the kid whose birthday party I was at while we were watching it, and that just makes it super creepy now. Let's see, let's search here. Paul Rubens, theater disaster. Oh no. Okay, that was a little bit more graphic than I expected. Yo, yeah. All right, the Pee Wee Herman scandal. The kid show stars indecent exposure arrest became the summer's biggest showbiz story. This article was written in 1991. Hmm. So, yeah, I guess this is uh, his attempt at a comeback. I believe so. Um, all right. Well, that's Pee Wee for you. Cut to Jeffrey on Summer's family living room couch, smelling Doritos before he eats them. Now, two things here. Yeah. Smelling chips before you eat them is creepy as fuck. Secondly, this actor is so terrible and so unmemorable that I thought it was just Buffy's brother or somebody. I didn't even recognize him as Jeffrey because I didn't care. (laughs) I can't defend his acting, <laughs> but I will say smelling the chip would have made sense if he wasn't eating them directly out of the bag. Yeah. And and something about those chips too. Did you notice what they were? Weren't they Doritos? Doritos light. I've never heard of a light chip before. Hmm. Me neither. But I would have, what I was going to say is if you were a guest somewhere and there was like an unmarked bowl of Doritos. I can see smelling them the first time to just determine the flavor. Oh. That's really weird, man. You still eat the chip that you picked up. It's not like you're, like, hovering over the bowl and sniffing the whole thing. Yeah, I know, but, like, if you, like... Okay, if you saw somebody 
take a handful of popcorn from a bowl and the popcorn had like the flavor powder or whatever the hell it is. And they just kind of like take that handful of popcorn and just put it up to the nose and just go and then eat it. You wouldn't find that weird. Um, I would taste the chip and be like, whoa, not going back for seconds. I wouldn't smell it because then if you're like, oh my God, this smells horrible. There's a good chance you're putting that chip back. I mean, I would question it if the person was doing it every single time they grab some. Who smells chips, though? I've never seen anybody smell Just chips. Just get over it, man. Calm down. Alright, fine. The news report on the TV replays info of obvious vampire killings, but describes the puncture marks as really gross hickeys. Really? 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 Mm-hmm. That is horrible. Yeah. You know what would have been much easier to say? Go for it. Snake bites. Yeah. It's it's just really dumb teenage like not even teenage humor. It's like low brow dumb teenage humor. It's, it's I hated this movie at this point, man. I struggled so hard to get through the rest of it. Buffy's parents have finished packing for the weekend and leave. Buffy joins Jeffrey on the couch, joke about how her parents don't know his name, and start making out. Oh, that's right. Buffy's mom calls him Billy, I think, right? Yeah, and Buffy's big joke is there's a chance that she might be calling me Billy. Mm-hmm. It's funny. Okay. It's a joke. You get it? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no, I, yeah, no, I get it. All right. Yeah. It's quote unquote joke. I'm actually, uh, at this point, at, at I'm this actually, point, how are you feeling about the movie? I don't care. Um, I'm actually curious where you're going to turn around on this movie at all, because the impression that I'm getting from you is just not good at all. See. We'll see. All right. Flashback to the Dark Ages. Buffy's ancestor kills a vampire before being confronted by head vampire Lothos and his brood, led by Amelin. Turns out this is Buffy having a nightmare. Was that vampire David Arquette? No, I don't believe so. I believe it was Alexis Arquette. Oh, okay. I believe. I don't know. I could be wrong. It was a very quick shot of the face. I rewound it a couple of times to see, and it was like it had similar features to David Arquette, but it was not it was not on screen long enough to tell. Yeah, well, there were a number of uh, known actors who had uncredited roles in this movie. So. Yep. Back to modern day, Spike approaches Lotho's coffin, which is set up in a well. I thought it was a church. It looked like a church, but I guess it's also the fairground. I I don't know. He tells the sleeping vampire that he is slowly building a new family for them. The next day at school, the guys and girls are outside trying to pick the theme of the school dance. Buffy's going environmental. Everybody gives their two cents about what it is or what is a detriment to the environment. And Buffy chimes in with bugs. And we're supposed to like this character. This is our hero. Uh, I don't know. If there, there is one line. I didn't write it down. I don't know if you caught it, but it goes along something like this, where one of the girls is like, are there any good diseases that aren't too depressing? <laughs> no, I didn't take it down. Yeah. Yeah, this the writing. I, I, you know what, man? Fucking Joss Whedon's probably like, oh, God, this movie did not do well. Uh, there were a lot of rewrites. This isn't my work. Uh what do you, what, what do you mean? I'm the only credited writer. 
Um, no, because when people do rewrites, they get credit to. No, there's no other credit. It's just me. So this is a, a blatant lie. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh Okay. I, I I don't know, man. Like this this kind of writing is consistent in the other things that he does take credit in writing. Maybe. Maybe. We'll see. Let's see if this gets any better. That night the girls reconvene at Cafe Blase. That was actually kind of funny. Uh to finalize dance plans. Pike and Benny enter, and the girls immediately make fun of them. The boys introduce themselves, the girls make fun of Pike's name, and the boys recognize them from the movie earlier. You miss the entire part where David Arquette just drops a bunch of money on, I think it's Ricky Lake? Uh, Uh, Yeah, on her serving tray. On her serving tray, and it's like, what does this look like? She's like two yeah, cups she- of coffee or a hot dog with nothing on it nothing on the side have you ever gone to a place where a hot dog condiments cost extra money no i thought it was really funny though so i i can i can let that pass um especially where they end the, well it, it's arquette which is fine by me but they also just get the hot dog <laughs> yeah <laughs> and split it <laughs> split, split it. it pike takes the bun <laughs> And Benny takes the wiener, and they split it. Honestly, but, too. Go ahead. I was just going to say, it's our boy David Arquette, and that's why. Yeah. Um, I'm vaguely familiar with the TV series. And I thought that the character of Spike was the Amelin character from the movie. So early on in the notes, I was writing about this character as Spike. And then I was like, wait a minute. There's Spike and Pike? I'm like, Whedon's, Whedon's bad. He's not that bad. And then I realized, nope, just major mistake. This Amelin, which is a horrible name. But also, Pike is a pretty terrible character name. Yes. Um, going on to Benny, though, Arquette's phenomenal in this movie, in this character. I mean, it's Arquette. There might be a little yeah, bit right? of bias. So it should be surprising. I don't like David Arquette. Really? I like him as Dewey in the Scream movies, but I just like the Scream movies. Other than that, I don't really care for him that much. Oh. Uh, I don't think he's a bad actor as much as I just don't really like the roles that he chooses. Fair. Fair. I mean, I was even happy just to see him in the cameo in Bone Tomahawk. Um, yeah, he was good in that. Yeah, like there's just a lot of times where David Arquette is a lot of fun. So, yeah. I guess it's proper casting. He is a certain type of actor who needs a certain type of role, and when he gets that role, he just hits it out of the park. I mean, I even remember watching uh, Never Been Kissed and thinking that he was good in that. Uh, do you remember Airheads? I do remember Airheads. He was in that one. Yeah, he was not good in that one. I don't he was like in that one. Yeah, he worked at the radio station. He had bleach blonde hair and he was a stoner character. Oh, that's uh I don't remember that one. Yeah, it's worth a rewatch. I mean, just for the uh the talent in that movie alone. Fair. Um Moving on here. Uh later that night, Pike and Benny are drunk. I don't know where they get drunk, but they are stumbling through Somewhere. I mean, they were uh, already drunk at the cafe. Blase. They seem drunk. 
but they seemed wasted after the cafe. Well, I think the idea was that they kept drinking after that. But I mean, Buffy even asked them. I forget what she word. What word she yeah, uses? Like, are does. you guys thrashed? I think she says. And yeah. Luke Perry's response is, "Well, that would explain the slurred, slurred speech." Yeah. Nice stumble on that line too, by the way, man. Perfect. Yeah, yeah I, I planned it that way. <laughs> Pike passes out, and Amlin bites Benny just as Merrick shows up to save Pike. Cheerleading rehearsal. Stupid cheers. Oh, you can tell I was loving it at this point. Everyone leaves. Buffy practices gymnastics and is spooked by Merrick, who is just standing there watching her. He's been searching for Buffy everywhere to bring her her birthright. He tells her to join him in the graveyard. She basically calls him a pedophile and shuts him down. I mean, he tells her she's not, it's, she's not wrong to do so. If Merrick is trying to figure out if she is the slayer or to recruit her or whatever step in the process he's in, yeah. he could definitely do it less creepy. Yeah, that's true. Uh, especially when, like, he's there to bring her birthright. She, she makes a joke about, like, a trust fund. Yeah. Uh, um, but when, yeah, it's like she has to join him in the graveyard. Her response is to make fun of him as, like, a dirty old man who's looking for little kids. And his response is, it's time to kill vampires. <laughs> You're not winning that argument, bud. They're just... He could do this so much better. And you're supposed to believe that Merrick has been training Slayers since the dawn of time. Right? Thing is, he, he also says later in the movie that every time he dies, he's reborn with the memories that he's had from his previous lives. Are you telling me that this is the most he's learned? That's exactly what I'm saying. You think he would have by now figured out that maybe times are a little different. I, it's not even that. It's more like, what kind of idiot are you? If <laughs> you're like, maybe this whole time they're just really stupid and they don't get me. They don't understand that I'm trying to help them. So I'm going to do the exact same thing time and time again. Oh, this character is an idiot throughout. That doesn't yeah. change. Uh, he does convince her that he's on the up and up by telling her about her own dreams that she's been having. And yet, somehow him knowing about the birth beauty mark the mole or whatever the birthmark yeah. yeah doesn't tip her off she even points out like i had that removed so does the fact that he knows about it not question you a little bit more but no 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 he can tell you the dreams that's cool yeah i i, I don't know Whedon. they go to the graveyard that night they stop at the grave of a man who was killed 3 days previously if he was murdered, how is he already buried and not in like, you know, being, uh, you know, in the midst of an autopsy by a coroner? Uh, how did they get a headstone that fast? And did they sod the grave too? Because it looks like that person's been buried for years. <clears throat> no, I don't, I don't know. I, I don't I don't know. Okay, well, Amelin abducts Cassandra, who I don't recognize at all. Have we seen her before in this movie? Is she one of Buffy's friends, or is she, she just somebody from the high school? She was at the scene where they were discussing themes for the dance, and she right. was the one that like had the notepad and was taking down the yeah. notes. 
Uh, but I think that's all we really saw of her up until then. At the graveyard, vampires begin bursting out of their graves. The fight commences, and Buffy stakes them as if it's second nature. It's uh, interesting that all the vampires got up at the same time that day. Exact same time. Also, these graves look like they've been settled for a very, very long time. Yeah, man. They work fast in California. Yeah. Pike wakes up in bed to Benny pounding on his window. Wait. Pike wakes up in bed. So, did Merrick just take him home when he was unconscious? How did he know where Pike lived? Is Merrick actually some weird pedo? I mean... This isn't, this isn't covered at all. He just... He puts Mike, or Mike, Pike in the van, or car, and that's the last time we see Pike until now, and he just wakes up in his bed. It's possible, if you want to really try, to say that, you know, maybe he had identification on him, like a driver's license, and Merrick just dropped him off there. The thing is, I feel like he's staying in a, in a motel or hotel. I don't think it's an actual apartment. Uh, it, it's, it looks like an apartment. It definitely looks lived in. It uh, looks lived in, but also the uh, sink is next to the bed. It could just be a little shitty apartment. It could be. It's also next to a flashing neon sign, which I'm pretty sure doesn't say apartment. Hey, you don't know that. It's true, I doubt. I'm just guessing here. Yeah, there you go. All right. Well, Pike wakes up in bed to Benny pounding on his window. Benny keeps telling Pike to invite him in, but Pike notices something's wrong with him, and then notices that Benny's floating. Tells Benny to leave. Benny starts screaming about being hungry. Great acting on Arquette's part here. I thought they both did a great job in this scene. Um, well, Luke Perry just had to act groggy. Yeah. And I also do love where he's like, hey, you're floating. Go away. Yeah, I, I have to believe that, like, we're supposed to believe he stole kind of pretty sloshed at that point. Uh, otherwise, his reaction to Benny floating would would definitely have to be more severe than that. It's a quick turnaround time from a vampire bite to being a full-on vampire. Especially considering that these other ones came out of their graves three days later. Yeah. I don't know. The vampire makeup is pretty fucking cool, though. I do have to say that. It's alright. It's almost like, uh, like vermin-like. Yeah, definitely with the ears. Yeah, I liked it a lot. Very rat-like. Very much uh, like uh, 22's Nosferatu. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's more of an evolution of it. Yeah. Yeah. Merrick tells Buffy that uh, vampires can't find out who she is. They go over the rules about vampires entering domains. Buffy gets home and her mother confronts her with being late before being tricked about the actual time. Yep. Her mom's... Her mom is not as is about as bright as she is, I guess, at this point. Complete idiot. Yeah. Uh, Amelin feeds Cassandra to Lothos. I don't understand why we had to show her again in this movie. We didn't need to see her being abducted. We didn't need to see her being given to Lothos. It doesn't make sense to me unless there's something I completely missed. No. No, you didn't. Okay. Merrick shows up in the girls' change room somehow, I guess, yeah. He's mad that Buffy didn't show up for the meeting. She wants nothing to do with vampires. He tries to convince her of her ability by throwing a knife at her face. She catches it and freaks out about it. 
He says it's proof she's the chosen one. Now, this is where I kind of had fun. So I was thinking, imagine it, she missed that knife and he killed her. <laughs> and the rest of the movie is him trying to escape the school and get the fuck out of town undetected. <laughs> and then waiting for a new Slayer to be born. Well, I mean, no, he'd have I- to... He'd have to believe that that wasn't the Slayer and go looking for the right one. I would love it. I'd fucking love it, man. I would call it Merrick, the Vampire Slayer Slayer. Not, not to mention that somebody could potentially catch that. They could. They could even technically catch it by accident, just trying to defend themselves. So- you imagine he's convinced that someone who just caught it like by chance, who's not actually the Vampire Slayer, and he's like trying to train them, and they just keep fucking it up like their kickboxing sucks they can't do flips he's like i don't understand it but you know they caught the knife and just sends them after lothos who just like snaps their neck and throws a dead body on the ground he's like shit (laughs) and just like speeds off in his beat the shit car trying to figure out what went wrong and where the next slayer is going to be born no no all right well, speaking of kickboxing, we now get a montage of kickboxing and vampire slaying training. Yeah. Uh, How long I are we supposed to believe this was? I don't know. Because there's lines in the movie that make you think it's about three weeks. Yeah. Um, I don't know. None of it's convincing. No, no. Her training it, is horrible. Yeah, it all looks like she's still learning. Which kind of goes along with our what if she just accidentally caught the knife and wasn't really the chosen one. But I mean, even things like her somersault aren't good. And we're supposed to believe that she's in like cheerleading and dance club or something like that. She should be a little more graceful just from that. Fucking any coordination would be great. Any. But the next scene we do get uh, a, a welcomed presence. And that is Principal Murray. Do you recognize Principal Murray? Yeah, Stephen Root, man. Yes, exactly. Um, there is a quote of his that uh, I really wish I had written down, so I'm going to look it up right now um, about uh, drug usage. Do you remember that later on in the movie? No, I don't remember it. Okay, uh, well, he like he can tell that something is going on with Buffy. Um Actually, this is this is the scene. This is the actual scene. Um, just bear with me for one second here, because I know it's in the uh, IMDb uh, quotes. But it's basically Principal Murray. He calls Buffy to the office. Uh, he's been watching her and thinks she's on drugs and tries to relate to her by telling his own drug stories. Yep, I got it in front of me here. Okay, um, I will have it in a second. Perfect. Quotes. Uh Come on, Principal, where are you? It's just listed as Gary. Oh, it's Gary? Okay, well, shit. I apologize for the uh, the break here. Unless, if you have it, if you want to read it, go for it. Hey, there's nothing to be afraid of. I know where you're coming from, believe me. I'll tell you the truth. I've had my drug experiences, too. I did a lot. I did some acid in the 60s. Well, the late 70s, actually. It was at a Doobie Brothers concert. And I could see the music flowing into me. It was bright red and electric. And I felt like a big toaster. And I thought, maybe I am a toaster. We're all molecules. And my friend Melissa, her head looked like a big party balloon. And that scared me. I started to freak out. End of scene. I wrote 
Whedon sucks so hard after that because I see what was going on here. He was going for humor. And even Steven Root couldn't deliver this with enough emotion to make it hilarious. Like, it, it felt so out of place that I did chuckle at it. But it just... I don't know. If, if we're going this kind of crazy, make the whole movie this kind of crazy. Do you agree? Sure. There was no gusto behind that. Tell no, me what I you really I, think. I don't know what this movie should have been. I... I at least it was Steven Root doing this. Because if anybody else did it, it would be me just sighing throughout the entire thing. I mean, we should mention, like, we brought up some of the cast, but, like, this has a pretty good cast. It really does. Donald Sutherland, Paul Rubens, Rutger Hauer, Luke Perry, even Hilary Swank in a small role, and Steven Root in barely a cameo. I mean... Seth Green plays one of the nameless vampires for three seconds. Fucking Ben Affleck. Well, yeah, sure. Ben Affleck does more in the movie than Seth Green. That is true. That is true. Yes. About as much also, as Ricky Lake does as Charlotte. The Thomas Jane. The Punisher, Thomas Jane. Sure. Yeah, this movie's got a great cast. I don't know why it wasn't good. Lighten quits his job at the garage and gets ready to leave town. Buffy's playing a victim, walking around at night trying to lure any vampires. It works. Uh, I made note here that I really do like the vampire designs again. Again, very vermin-like. Mer uh, Merrick scolds Buffy for her choice of hunting grounds being too dangerous, then points out her cramps are an alert for when vampires are near. I'm, I'm with Buffy on this one. Really? Her radar for vampires... Is PMS. Yeah, that's her superpower. Come on. Merrick describes how every time he's born, he has full memories of his previous lives and knows his role is to find and train the new Slayer. We then get a bonding moment between the two, like I had said before. Whatever. On the outskirts of town, Pike is trying to get his dead van to start up. He looks out the windows and sees vampires approaching. With one more attempt, the van revs to life. He backs over two of the vamps, but Amelin jumps on the windshield and hangs on for the ride. Pike weaves around trees, and Amlin climbs onto the roof. He punches through and tries to grab Pike. The vampire looks up just in time to see a tree branch hit him square in the face, not only knocking him off the roof of the van, but ripping his arm off, which falls into Pike's lap. Pike, meanwhile, drives directly into another tree. Uh, pretty good. Pretty good little action scene here. It wasn't bad, but why was his van broken down in the middle of a park? I don't know. There's so much convenience written into this script. Like, if his van died, right, all you mm -hmm. had to do, first of all, was put him on a street, an abandoned street somewhere. It could even be a forested area. Not on the park grass, which makes you wonder why it would be there in the first place. I could see after, when yeah. he's trying to escape, he'll drive wherever. Yeah. But you and can keep just... in mind, too, like, the scene before this Merrick scolds Buffy for her choice of hunting grounds because it's too dangerous in alleys far away from people. Have the van break down in the alley. Bam, there's no people around. Your vampires are there. In that alley scene, we saw like trees in the background. It would have been perfect. It would have made sense. I don't know why he's parked in the middle of a park, but 
yeah, to your point, like, what are they doing? Why? Even if even if he's just on a street that's next to the park. Oh, driving out of town. This is kind of an yep. outskirts park part where there's forests on one side, a big park on the other type thing. Just have him on the street. Show the van, break down or stall. How long will we believe that he's just sitting in this park trying to get his van started? Probably about as long as we're supposed to believe that he was just in the alleyway trying to get that motorcycle to start up later on in the movie. By chance, he's just there. If you remember that scene. Yes. When did the training montage happen? Uh, which one? The Buffy one? Yeah. Oh, a while ago. Um, right before the Principal Murray drug story. Uh, which is before Pike even quits the job uh, to leave town. So my question is, how long is it taking Pike to get the hell out of town? Oh, quite a while. Because he already quits and packs up his stuff. We know he doesn't have that much stuff. Why hasn't he gotten out of town yet? Uh, maybe it's a big town, man. Has We're he talking, been... what, the San Fernando Valley? Has he been stuck in that park for three weeks? Yes. Maybe that's what he meant by out of town. Just outside of the concrete jungle and into a park. I, I don't know, man. Don't, don't hold me to account for this movie. This is your choice. This is Whedon's writing. You might have picked it yourself. No, I don't think that's true. You, it could have happened. It could have happened. You would have been going on your 10-year-old you memories of it. Yeah, except I would have been, like, filled with apologies afterwards. Yeah, fair. He stumbles out of the van and is immediately confronted by Amelin and the other two vampires. Amelin calls him out on ruining his new jacket, then tells his cronies to kill him a lot. Kind of funny. A fight breaks out, but Buffy shows up and dispatches the vampires with ease. Pike passes out, and Merrick makes a joke about him being fond of passing out whenever Merrick passes by. Super fucking creepy, by the way. Uh, speaking of which, uh, like going back to what happened after Merrick picked him up off the road the first time. Because he's not exactly fond of passing out. Merrick just approaches when he's unconscious. So... Validity to what Buffy was saying? Question mark? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. He... I'm starting to believe her, her Her joke is true here. It really is. Maybe that's his curse. Because he said he's always he's reborn with memories of his previous lives. Maybe he's cursed. And that was it. He has to like keep remembering what he did in previous lives because he's that filthy. They go to Buffy's house and Pike questions her about vampires and what the hell's going on. All of a sudden, Buffy doesn't act like a valley girl anymore. There hasn't been any reason given for this whatsoever. We haven't seen her grow at all. She's just now different. Oh, wait. No, they're trying to write a monologue about how things changed in her life. It doesn't work at all. Yeah, like physical training to slay vampires isn't going to make you not stupid anymore. Mm-hmm. Unless and this is where I said it that, changes. Unless we're to just believe that she was putting on an act to fit in with the ditzy friends. No. That's not that's not the case. It can't be. 
That's this is where I I start to believe your your rewrite story. Because this seems like a really quick fix to hang on to the last part of the movie. Because from this point on, Buffy's pretty entertaining. Like, she's a good character. Everything she's done up until this point, it's almost like we're supposed to hate her. But there's been no actual change. There's no action shown on screen that would convince us that she's a likable character anymore. It's just a character flip in attitude that is not backed up by anything, no rationale. It's just now we're watching somebody else's version of where this movie's going. And if you look at most of her stupid lines in the first part of the movie, right, they seem like an attempt at humor. Not a successful one, but all of these stupid, ditzy lines that she's making are supposed to seem like jokes. Yeah. Where, yeah, if if the executive producers or whoever wanted to, like, make the movie a little bit less dark, that's the kind of shit I could see them rewriting. Yeah. Honestly, man, like, if you were given the option of watching this movie, only knowing the Buffy character at the very beginning, and marathoning every fucking Pauly Shore movie, you're going Pauly Shore 100%. Am I, though? Uh, I don't know. Are you a decent human being? Are yeah. you a dirty Buffy lover? Yeah, but see, so, in your example, it's like how many hours of Pauly Shore versus an hour and a half of this character? I'm gonna 16 end- minutes! 16 minutes took me six hours to get through of this movie. That's because you were trying to take notes. 16 minutes of this movie took me exactly. 16 minutes to get through. How much of that... I had to relive this movie at a much slower pace than you did. I mean, I And did, I would rather do that with Polly Shore than this ever again. I did watch the movie twice this week. Oh my god. That must have been horrible. I told you, I try to watch every movie we review twice. That was sarcasm. I feel like I've been punished more about this, or by this, than you. Well, well you know, that's, uh, that's part of the deal, I guess. All right, fair enough. Well, Pike stayed the night at Buffy's. <laughs> oh, yeah, we were talking about a plot. Yeah. <laughs> Lothos scolds the 1,200-year-old Amelin for leaving the, uh, leaving the new vamps behind. Lothos picks up a cat for a snack and goes to his chambers. Did not like that. Me neither. No, it was dumb. way too cheesy and dumb. The next day at school, the girls are rambling on about the yellow jacket, and we're shown Buffy isn't into the mindset anymore, because Buffy's different now. Andy and Jeffrey walk by, and Andy grabs Buffy's ass. She grabs him by the arm and flips him before throwing him into the lockers. Jeffrey angrily demands to know what's up. Uh, I don't know why he's angry, but whatever. Then tells Andy to keep his hands off of Jeffrey's thing. Buffy brushes him off and walks out. Jeff and Andy leave unfazed. There's a lot of problems with this scene. Name one. Uh, the obvious change in Buffy's demeanor that we've already talked about. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sexual assault. Mm-hmm. Uh, the insane violence that nobody really seems to give any credit to. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jeffrey 
ignoring Buffy's emotions altogether and uh, demanding to know why she's acting so stupidly. Mm-hmm. Uh telling uh, Andy, his best friend, to keep Andy's hands off of Buffy, who he refers to as his thing. So, uh, the possession alone. Um, The fact that she is so incensed that she just has to storm off, understandably, uh, to which her boyfriend and his best friend uh, joke and leave as if nothing happened. I said name one. Oh, sorry. Uh... (laughs) Uh, uh, rambling about the yellow jacket. <laughs> Alright, well, I mean, they're, what, cheering because they're going to the basketball game? Yeah. Well, it is game time. Coach's playbook shows that the all-seeing eye plus gender symbols equals infinity, which is the win. <sighs> Players I, hit the court. I definitely, yeah, do you want to go into that? I, I definitely wouldn't know what play that is. No. I don't. I don't know. I don't know how he has that job. I guess that's just like some part of like the cheeky humor. I guess. That doesn't make sense with the rest of the humor in the movie. Oh. Players hit the court, but the coach stops one player telling him that since he missed practice earlier, he should sit down and think about how that made the coach feel. Turns out that player is a vampire version of Grueler. Missed- I feel really bad that this is the next time we see Grueler. The coach says he missed a practice, but there's been like three weeks of montages since Grueler got caught in the carnival. He's not going to school. He's missed a lot more than one practice, I would have to imagine. But I did like when he just turns and says, go team, and then laughs. Yeah. It's not done well, but it was entertaining. I thought it was great. Um, the, the next part is the cheerleaders giving that worst, like the worst cheer of all time. Was that, um, how funky is your chicken? How loose is your goose? Yeah, something like that. Like, come on now. It just doesn't make, okay. You know, I, I'd like to make a comment here. Sure, go for it. This is high school basketball. Man, do they take it a lot more serious in the States? Because here in Canada, our school cheerleaders showed up once for when we played in the finals because there was a halftime routine. You guys had cheerleaders? We didn't. Yeah, man. And like I just said, they came to one game the entire season, and it was just for the halftime show that both teams' cheerleaders did. And I didn't see it because I was in the locker room. <laughs> Drastically different. If this movie yeah. took place in Ontario, Canada, the cheerleaders would not have a lot to do. Well, that's one thing, too, that uh, we, we see all the time in film, especially comparing Canadian cinema to American cinema, uh, is how much the Americans romanticize high school sports. Um, as if, like, it is a crucial moment in an adolescent's life, which it's not for the most part for, for a select few. Sure. But the amount of weight it's given in films, I think is just ridiculous. I mean, it has to glorify it, right? Otherwise, what are you watching? Fucking teen wolf does not need basketball. 
you gotta show them as normal people with other. They do. They have a drama program. So anyway. Somebody... Uh, yeah, it's uh, time for a grueler to go in. Uh, couch, uh, couch. Coach reminds the team to assert their personhood. Buffy immediately knows something is wrong. Grueler is star of the game here. No passing needed. He'll do everything by himself. He stares down number 10, Ben Affleck, who just gives him the ball and backs away. The other team gets the ball and Buffy attacks. Grueler runs off and Buffy takes chase since Grueler now knows that she's the new slayer. Okay. She steals it. Hold on. Yeah. You missed Wait. a very important part of the game. I don't care about the game. I'm just saying it's very curious that Grueler dunks the ball, floats down, not falls, floats. Oh, I know he floats, yeah. And nobody else questions this in the audience. The guys on the court are staying away from him, so they notice something's off. But the audience seems to have no issue with this. He is completely white. I don't mean Caucasian. He's completely white, has fangs, rat-like features, and, like, pointy ears. Mm -hmm. He looks like a monster. If they don't notice that, I think you'll get away with floating a little bit. See, here's the thing. If I'm sitting in an audience of a sporting event, I might be a little too far to see distinct features like that, potentially. But if a player dunked the ball and then slowly levitated to the ground rather than falling with gravity, I would see that from any distance. Well, I mean, when it comes to basketball stars and gravity, I mean, like, come on, man, we've all seen Mike. He defies no. gravity. Yeah, and you know what? He comes down at the same speed as everybody else. I'm just saying, if I was in the audience and that guy was floating, I would be out of there. Pretty sure there's enough weird shit going on that people should have noticed by now. So, uh, let's just chalk this up to uh, Whedonism. Okay. All right. Uh, Buffy steals a motorcycle, trying to keep up with Grueler, and speeds past Pike, who hops on a dirt bike and follows, which is incredibly convenient, because we don't know why he's there or why he's working on a bike. Buffy crashes at the fairgrounds. Grueler catches her off guard, and she's grabbed by other vamps. She kicks Grueler in the face, and he's staked by Pike from behind with a great line. Where Gruler says something along the lines of, uh, uh, now I'm a god. So Buffy says, we used to be friends, and he says, yes, but now I'm a god. Now I'm a god. And then gets staked from behind by Pike, who says, and now you're a coat rack. I, I guess you're being sarcastic, because that's not a good line. That's not a it's good not line. a good line. That's what I'm saying. She stakes one vampire and then does some flippy flips and knocks the other one over. Before landing on Pike. The two share a flirty moment. And what happened to the other fucking vampire? Yeah. Somehow she landed on him and that killed him? Oh, they don't touch on that. At all. They're sure taking a long time laying down here in the moment. With their back exposed to getting attacked by other vampires. Like that scene goes on for way too long. Yeah, it does. And like all she did was knock that one over. Yeah. Buffy and Pike are confronted by Lothos and Amelin. Lothos hypnotizes Buffy and makes it known that he's aware of Merrick in the shadows. He's about to bite Buffy, but Merrick stops him. Lothos stakes Merrick and leaves, stating that Buffy isn't ready yet. Just before he dies, Merrick tells Buffy to remember about the music. 
So, which means now, like when we finish the movie, like not only does he remember the past, but he can predict the future. So, a couple of things here. A couple, okay. Do tell. <laughs> Buffy's not ready for what? Well, she's only had a few weeks of kickboxing, and you're a vampire. Why do you need mm-hmm. her to be prepared for anything? This is the th- they don't explain this at all. Merrick is like, she's not ready. I know, and that's the thing, man. Like, he's killed her how many times now? How many times? I don't know. We'll say they start this, at least we see in, what, the 13, 1400s? I don't know. So, several hundred years, he's killed her over and over again. Uh, so, she's not ready for, what, to die again? That's what I'm saying. Merrick, like we need we need her to learn how to fight better so I can kill her again. It, it like there's no code of honor from what I've seen. In my mind, it's like if if she's not ready to fight and kill Lothos, Lothos should just be like, "Cool, easy pickings." Right? Why is Cuz then then the next slayer has to be born and come of age to where they're an actual threat to the vampires again. So save yourself another like fucking 17 years, man. Yeah, just just snap her neck now. It doesn't, make it, it doesn't make any sense. need all of the cats. They don't explain it. They don't explain it. He, he's, she's just not ready, and they're all like, oh, yeah, okay, she's not ready. Yeah. Also, uh, we never really mentioned this, but Lothos is played by Rucker Hauer. How the fuck did he get roped into this role? Uh, he must have owed somebody a favor. Right? He, either that or he got tricked. He got duped real hard. Because you look at the budget of the movie, it's not that big. So not a lot of people got paid a lot of money here. I'm very curious about that one. It could have been that he owed somebody a favor. Could be. I mean, who knows? Like, that man had been acting in all sorts of movies for how many decades now? Like, he might have ended up with some weird debt or some addiction of some sort. Let's, well, you know, let's not speak ill of the dead. Rucker Hauer, R.I.P. I mean, anything that he did after Blade Runner is whatever. Like, he cemented himself, in my my opinion. Hobo with a shotgun. Okay, well that's much later, but mm-hmm. anyway, during during prep for the dance, the girls are making fun of Buffy's actions at the basketball game the previous night. Buffy shows up and questions the girls why they haven't noticed anything weird going on lately. She's chastised for a lack of commitment to the school dance. She in turn makes fun of them, right down to asking what language they're speaking, with complete ignorance to how she's acted in the last several years. And absolutely no trigger to make her change her ways. Nothing. That night, Buffy and Pike talk. Buffy states that she's going to the dance to spend time with her friends. Pike is understandably livid and asks her if that's what Merrick would want. She responds by saying Merrick's dead. She's upset because she can't take Lothos. She walks away and Pike speeds off. After both have left, Benny emerges from a photo booth. He had been listening the whole time and now knows that Buffy is the new Slayer. Again, oh. he's only on screen for a short amount of time, but David Arquette's so good in this movie. I like the little touch where the pictures came out of the photo booth after and they didn't have anybody in them. Yeah, which is interesting because I, I haven't heard that part of vampire lore before. I knew the whole mirror thing. I didn't know the whole picture thing. I, I like that little edit. I'd imagine it's probably kind of within the same vein. Yeah, right? it would have to be. But uh, there's a 
in the scene where Benny is floating outside of Pike's window, his reflection is visible in the window. Oh, I didn't notice that. Yeah, yeah. It's it's one of the goofs, I guess. You know what I did notice, though? The yeah, plot that? hole in the next fucking scene. Yeah, well, before we get to that plot hole, why don't we hear a message from our friend Tim, who doesn't have plot holes? Wonderful. Knights and Nerds is not just an actual play D&D podcast with an original campaign being played by a group of friends who tolerate each other. It's also a podcast where I, the Dungeon Master, talk about how I'm adapting to the choices the players make, as well as revealing to you, the audience, the complex story and deadly twists that I have in store for my players. Find us on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, Spotify, or at knightsandnerds.com. And we're back. All right, plot holes. That's where we were. Yeah, I know. Uh, you, left, you left us on a cliffhanger going into <laughs> that ad read. All right, well, with the new information that Buffy is the Slayer, Lothos plans to attack during the dance on Saturday. This whole time, the vampires have been trying to stay secretive about their identities, about their existence in the world. Why the fuck would you make your attack on the new Slayer happen on not only a Saturday night in public, but a Saturday night at a high school dance? Weren't you listening? Lotho said because he wants to dance. Right. I find it interesting that that's your complaint with this. Whereas, Oh, you're making it sound like that's my only complaint. Fair, but I wanted to address my biggest issue with this part. All right. She was not ready for him the night before. Yeah. Now, the next day, which we don't know what day of the week that is, but we know that it's within the week that the dance is going to take place on the Friday. Now, Lothos believes she's ready. Yeah. (laughs) Was it? Was it? Merrick dying, that was the difference? Sure. I, I don't know, man. All weedened out here. It, it it doesn't make any sense. Like, I'm with you. It makes no sense whatsoever. Alright. Anyway. Continue. What also doesn't make sense is our montage that we get next. Pike is sharpening stakes at his place. Buffy tries on a dress. Pike shaves. Montage is over. They actually had a musical montage where three things happened. <laughs> but hey, man, it's now time for the dance. I did like Almo- the shaving scene. Why? Why <laughs> did you like it? Why? <laughs> He's got shaving cream on his entire face. Mm-hmm. He sh- shaves the little soul patch, and you can see yeah. two little, like, shave marks where he got rid of his sideburns. Yeah. And then he's done. <laughs> yeah, it's fucking hilarious, man. You're right. That's great. Oh, I'm so sorry that I found one visual gag funny. I apologize. I didn't realize that I was supposed to enjoy none of this movie. Fair. Fair enough. I'm glad you found something to enjoy about the film. I'm jealous. Go on. It is It is time for the dance now, though. Uh, almost everybody here is uh, obviously in their 30s. Buffy arrives and is searching for Jeffrey since they're supposed to go to the dance together. She finds him and says, and he says that he's there with Jenny. He says it's not working between them and they have to move on. She's completely blindsided by this. And it's revealed that he left a breakup message on her answering machine. 
I, I do have to admit, I chuckled at that one. I thought that was kind of funny. I didn't even get the cold. impression that Buffy cared about him anymore. No. it's Well, I think it was her going back to him the same way she wanted to go hang out with her friends who she didn't like anymore because she just wanted to go back to something that she knew. Wow, and again, speaking of things that we know... That's deep. If, every time Jeffrey is on screen, I'm like, who the fuck's this guy? <laughs> can never remember. <laughs> no, because he's just so memorable. Like, he's just... He doesn't stand out at all. You could have recast the actor in that role for every time that character appears on screen, and I would have had the exact same reaction. <laughs> I would have been like, hey, Ben Affleck, what are you doing? Yeah. You got time for more than this one basketball scene? I got a role for you. <laughs> or just cast him randomly as different characters where all he does is just back away when they confront him. Just like in the basketball game. Yeah. Anyway, it's sl- slow dance time. Uh, it begins in Buffy's left alone at the side of the gym. Uh, personally, I highly doubt that would happen, but okay. Uh, but hey, Pike shows up. Clean shaven face, despite what you just said. I'm ready to take her to the dance. I do have to say tapping her on the shoulder and hiding while we know that vampires are after her is a pretty dangerous move. <laughs> Especially considering <laughs> like what she's capable of. Yeah. But here's the thing. He is clean shaven, but that's because throughout the entire movie, he only has the soul patch and the sideburns. Yeah, it is pretty funny. You're right. It's in like retrospect, that he is can't a good grow segment. anything else, right? How old are we supposed to believe that Pike is? I don't know. Because... We're not supposed to believe he's a student. He has a job. He could be a dropout, though. He could be a dropout. That is correct. But then he if he does have his own apartment, mm-hmm. I guess he is working at the garage, so he could do that. Rent must be pretty cheap. I guess it is early 90s. Wait, no, it's 90s California. It's not that cheap. I don't know. That's a good question. And a school You dance. know what? Just... We just have to get uh, get uh, Luke Perry on the... F- oh, wait. You can't get him on the phone. No. Uncalled for, man. Sorry. Um, we can call at, Jungle Boy. At the same time, at the same time, a school dance is going to let a non-student in just on his own? That's a good point. Yeah, I didn't think about that one. I mean, if he came in with one of the students, like, I'm the date, whatever. Cool, plus one, whatever. But I would imagine... School dances at my school in Canada had people standing at the doors. I have to imagine that American security would be a little bit higher. They're not just going to let some guy. like. (laughs) That's true. I I do remember uh, high school dances, uh, people from other schools trying to get in and then being turned away at the door. Yeah. They would only be allowed in if they were like a date of someone. And the thing is, he looks like he's 40. Why are you just letting him into this school dance with high school students? This looks like they're 30. Some of them actually were 30. They look younger. Uh, okay. Well, the two dance. Pike says she isn't like other girls. Buffy says she is. Well, no, she's not. We know this. There's a movie about it. It's called Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Uh, anyway, they kiss. Vampires attack. Buffy tells everyone to stay away from the walls. They can't come in if they aren't invited. Turns out the vampires are seniors, so they were in fact invited. <laughs> Principal Murray threatens the vampires with detention. Steven Root's doing what he can, man. He's great. He's pretty funny in this part, too. Uh, 
Pike shows Buffy that he came prepared with a bag of steaks. She grabs a few, puts on Pike's leather jacket, and goes outside to fight. The door is open. She steps outside, and oh my god, it's Vampire Seth Green. (laughs) For three seconds Uh, of camera time. For three seconds. Uh, We get some more flippy flips and kicks as the vampires attack Buffy one at a time, action movie style. Definitely waiting. That the flips feel like they're in slow motion. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm watching this. I'm like, why doesn't one of the vampires just hit her? Just, just hit her. She's right there. Uh, well, not just doing the flips, but like they wait. They just wait for her to kill a vampire, and then the next one runs in. You have to believe they didn't have an action coordinator. No. Although there is some, there are some pretty cool stunts in this movie in the fight scene in the gym. Yeah, but, it's just a lot of it is done poorly. Yeah, yeah, it's pretty poor. Buffy goes to look for Lothos, and the rest of the high school defend themselves in the gym. Buffy's confronted by Amelyn, the two tussle, and Buffy runs away. You, you missed like, the part before she sees Amelyn where we, we get a quick gag with uh, Jeffrey and um, Jenny doing it in the back of a car. Oh, I don't remember that. I must have looked away. Yeah, so when Buffy hops the fence and she goes through a parking lot, you can see just, like, Jenny kind of, like, sitting up in the car. You don't actually see it. Mm -hmm. Obviously, it's not a mature movie by any means. And if you listen, it it even sounds like it's just kind of recorded off camera and played in. Uh, She says, wow, that was fast or something like that. (laughs) All right. Kind of out of place for this movie. They but. they play back to it during the credits when they're doing the um, the news show. Yeah, and he like they say, "Oh, we left the gym. We saw something was going on." But they're referring they left the gym to go have sex, right? Yeah, there are a few good lines in the uh, end credits. Probably better than the rest of the movie, really. Anyway, moving uh, forward. Pike is doing his best to protect the students and ends up fighting his old friend, Benny. Uh, Amelyn, still missing his arm, taunts Buffy. The two fight more. Amelyn tells her they're immortal and can do anything. Her response, oh yeah? Clap. I like that one. Cut to Lothos playing the violin. Amelyn smiles at his master. Lothos shakes his head and Buffy stakes him. This leads to one of the most famous scenes of the movie as Amelyn has the most drawn-out death. All while Lothos keeps playing his music. So, wow, that was an anticlimactic death for Aunt Amelyn. Yeah. Like, oh, Lothos is playing the violin, and he just gets staked. Yep. And he did improv the death scene. Oh, yeah, of course. You could tell, 100%. It's pretty funny. It doesn't fit. All the it other vampires died, like, right away when they got staked, but okay. Yeah. Uh, some of the vampires died when Buffy fell on them. <laughs> Apparently. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Lothos tells her that Amelyn was Buffy's first real kill and Lothos' last gift to him. No, no, no. She's killed a lot more. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But I guess oldest kill, maybe? Original vampire, possibly? Uh, Benny tells Pike that Buffy is meat for the beast. Pike splashes holy water in Benny's face and smashes him to electrical panel, killing him. Uh, and I honestly, I really, really loved Alexis Arquette 
as the vampire DJ here. Uh, that character design is one thing that I do remember from this movie from the first time I watched it in 1992. Like, I don't know what it is. It's the facial expression. It's the costume. It's the the makeup. Uh, every everything like Alexis Arquette nailed this one character and didn't deliver a single line. It's all done through expression. So I don't know how accurate the IMDb is, but it, it apparently the DJ that uh, gets shooed out of there for that is Slash. Uh, uh Fat Slash maybe. Pardon? If it's Slash, it's Slash who had been gaining some weight for a while because it That's doesn't look like slash to me i don't think so but imdb it has it listed as dj uncredited slash mm, all right or maybe that's uh, a different dj maybe at one point there's a radio dj i don't know that's a mm, they, they did look kind of familiar but i don't know man i i maybe i just don't know slash that well this is why i prefixed it by saying the imdb i don't know if it's accurate yeah. i wouldn't have said it no, me neither. But it could be, because like I said, it did look familiar, and I don't know why. So, uh, maybe. Let's just go with it. Fuck yeah, man. Slash. And then how did Benny get electrocuted? Uh, He had holy water splashed on him, and while he was wet, uh, Pike spun him around and threw him into an electrical panel. And he was electrocuted. Did that electrical panel open up? Uh, no, it dented in real hard, though. Hmm. Hmm. So, two problems with this. One, it shouldn't have electrocuted him, right? That's, no, it's not how that works. The metal would have had to be opened from the impact. Yeah. Two. You know what else doesn't work? Vampires. Hold on. (laughs) The other, there's always one of these scenes in the movie with me, man, and you know it. All right, go for it. Two, an electrical current doesn't ground like that it would still try to go through Luke Perry, who is completely unscathed. There's nothing between them. Luke Perry wasn't holding on to him, though, I didn't think. I thought he swung and let go, and Benny just flew into it back first. To me, it looked like he was holding him on there. Mm. I'm going to have to go back and look. Do you, though? Yep. Okay. Anyway. Moving forward. Uh, sorry. Uh, Lothos is about to bite Buffy, who has fallen under his trance yet again. Uh, but the power outage stops the music, Merrick's prophecy, and Buffy snaps out of it. Lothos tries to hypnotize her again, but it isn't working for some reason this time, even though nothing has changed and it's worked fine before this. Uh, she holds up a cross and he mocks it, sets the cross on fire, and asks if that's her defense. She says no, holds up a can of hairspray, and says... Wait for it. No, my keen fashion sense. Presses the nozzle and Lothos' head goes up in flames. Um, Very poor CGI flames that he does not react to at all. No, it's pretty bad. Also, if you're going to throw back to any line, I think there's some better ones. Because when that line's used previously in the film, I feel like it's used for actual character development and here it's just used for comedy's sake it's like a throwback for the purpose of a throwback and not the actual meaning of how the line was delivered originally Uh, I I will chalk that up to bad writing again 
Um, anyway, Principal Murray is going around the gym giving vampire corpses detention slips. <laughs> uh, Buffy enters and uh, Kim panics, thinking she'll kill them all. Principal Murray reacts and smashes Kim's head against the wall, knocking her out. <laughs> I don't understand this scene at all. I do love Principal Murray just walking by all of the corpses and just throwing slips down, being like, detention, 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 detention. Is that it? Oh, nope. Two more. Detention, detention. I preferred him smashing Hillary's head against the wall and just walking by like it was nothing. Yep. Principal assaulting a student by smashing her head against a wall. <laughs> Jokes! Yay! Like, the, the style of comedy in this movie changes frequently, and I don't get it. Come on, man. Uh, we're, get, we're getting there. You can do it. But even, like, the next, the next part is Andy trying to hit on Buffy. Why? She's already kicked the shit out of him. We know he's a piece of shit. Uh, but you know it's, it's obvious she's only there for Pike. Uh, just then, Lothos bursts through a wall, brandishing a katana. Uh, I guess he doesn't need to be invited in. Buffy grabs a wooden flagpole in the two fight. The katana can't be sharp at all because it's not doing anything to a wooden dowel. Uh, more fighting, they take each other down. Pike intervenes and gets thrown aside, and then Buffy stakes Lothos. Buffy goes to check on Pike. And look at the background. After everything that happened, that entire night, all of the death, every single student is just slowly walking towards the exit at the exact same pace. There's no panic. Calmly exiting. Yep. Buffy pulls Pike to his feet, and they have a dance, weirdly enough. Slow dissolve to Pike on the motorcycle. He starts it up. Buffy jumps on the back, and they take off. Roll credits. Instant classic. Mm -hmm. This was rough, man. Like, I think I only enjoyed the second half because it didn't suck as much shit as the first half. But going over it, like, this whole movie's rough. No, it's, it's a classic. It is a classic. Why? I don't know. <laughs> I have no fucking idea. You talk to anybody, like, hey, do you remember Buffy the Vampire Slayer, the movie? And they're like, oh, yeah, the movie's fucking great. I'm like, no, it's not. <laughs> I I agree with you in thinking that, yes, it is, but we're all wrong. This movie is terrible. Absolutely terrible. There is no redeeming qualities for this to be a movie. An hour and a half long movie that is just a dumpster fire. And it's such a wasted cast. Yeah. I really do think there's something here. Uh, it just doesn't show itself at all throughout the entire runtime of the movie. It's like everything should have lined up perfectly. And it just fell apart at the very beginning and just scrambled to try and keep some sense of a narrative together until the runtime was up. You got any stats for us, buddy? Uh, yeah, man. Um, budget uh, estimated seven million, and that's why I think it's it's crazy. The people, the talent attached to this movie for a seven million dollar film. Now, granted, it's nineteen ninety two, or I guess what filming in ninety one, roughly. Um, so a lot of these people weren't that famous yet. Um, how they became famous after this movie, I don't know. 
you think this would have derailed multiple careers. Um, but it ended up making $16.6 million. So a reasonable, you know, success. Um, as far as reviews go, on IMDb, it's sitting at 5.7 out of 10, which is just fucking wrong. It's not that good. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the tomato meter, critics have it at uh, 36%, which is understandable. Uh, audience score, 43. Um, and yeah, just thinking back to about about the fun that we had talking about this, I think 43 is reasonable. Like, I would never give it a 5 out of 10. Like, it's not okay. It's pretty terrible, but it did make me laugh at points. And I think this really is something you should watch with friends, not by yourself. Um, That's fair. Yeah, what do, you, what do you think of those reviews? What do you think of those numbers? I feel like maybe the user one could even be a little lower. I think it might be um, nostalgia that is keeping it higher than that. It could be. It yeah. really could be. Yeah. Shall anyway. we move on to awards? Absolutely. So, how do we do this? You start? Yep, with worst performance. Oof, that's a, a lot of choices for this one. Oh, I think you can you can guess who I'm going to pick right off the bat. No, I can't, actually. Oh, it's uh, Randall Battenkoff as Jeffrey, because I never noticed him in any uh, scene that he was in. Right. Was he that? had no screen presence whatsoever. His line delivery was flat as all hell. And I don't think that's a creative decision. I just think he was bad. I should have put that together. I really should have. <laughs> but my my worst performance? Yeah, like you you Yeah. <laughs> you you didn't hold back on it, but for some reason I didn't think about it. And and you know what? It might be because like you said, he's such a forgettable character. He's just there. You already forgot my complaints about him. Yeah. It's just there. And, like, I... The thing is, he's supposed to be, like, a strongly dislikable character. And he was so meh that I didn't recognize him anytime he was on screen. I recognized him when they said his name. I was like, oh, yeah. Like I said, when he was sitting on the couch at the Summer's house, I had no idea who he was. I thought it was Buffy's brother. Even though I had no reason to believe that she had a brother. I was like, who the fuck is this guy? Um, his, uh, his, his lackey sidekick, Andy, was more memorable. Yeah. I should point out, you said the Summer's House. The last name is never made clear in this That's... movie. No, I know. That Sorry, comes I'm from going along show. with the uh, TV show, yeah. Yeah. Which, according to the... Nerd. IMDb, which, according to the IMDb, um... Joss Whedon doesn't even want the two associated. Like to him, this is not related to the Buffy show at all. I'm sure that only came up when uh, the show did well. He's like, "Oh, okay, maybe, or maybe it really wasn't what he wanted. We don't know. Like, there's been some evidence to both, right? Yeah, true. Anyway." Uh, my worst performance, I actually had Hillary Swank as Kimberly. And, she at least made us laugh. But her lines were so over-delivered so many times. Yeah. Like, yeah. Y- you know how we talk about how the tone of the movie is not consistent? Like, in my mind, hers was like a cartoon character in this movie. And it just stood out so much. Yeah. 
I'll agree with that. She, yeah, she did stick out like a sore thumb at times. All right. Best performance? I went with Donald Sutherland as Merrick. Ooh, okay. And honestly, the only reason was because he didn't really do anything to piss me off as an actor in the movie. Everybody had a moment where I was like, come on. Like, even Luke Luke Perry, who I thought was one of the stronger performers in this, mm-hmm. had a few lines and scenes that were delivered in a way that made me not like it. And I get some of it is scripting. Like, when he says to Amelin when they're, you know, face off in the carnival with Lothos and where Merrick dies, like, are you addressing I? It's like, all right, well, that's writing. Yeah. But even still, the delivery. With, with Merrick, it was just like, Yours is the least offensive delivery that I had. And again, the most problems with it, like his death scene, the character was written poorly to just run in and try and stab Lothos. That wasn't his acting. So, yeah. Donald Sutherland gets it by default for just not pissing me off. (laughs) Okay. You? Uh, I I went with uh, our boy David Arquette as Benny. I, I debated um, it, but just like I said, like there was a couple of line deliveries. Uh, the thing is with Arquette, yeah, there were some shaky lines, but he gave it his all, and he remained consistent anytime he was on screen. Um, and I'm I'm not the biggest David Arquette fan, so I was I was surprised by that. Um, but I thought Benny was. Not only the most well-written character, but the best actualized, realized character. I thought David Arquette did a great job. Um, he made me sympathize with him when he was human. He made me laugh at him when he's trying to be creepy as a vampire. And I think that's what they were going for. I really enjoyed his performance. And it, for me, it's, it isn't just the best performance, in my opinion. It's also the most memorable performance. Honestly, those were the three that I was debating for best was Donald Sutherland, Luke Perry, and David Arquette. Mm-hmm. Right? And and rightfully so. I, I, can't, uh, I can't say that that's a bad pick by any means. I just think that, just like you said with David Arquette, he stayed the most consistent. Donald mm-hmm. Sutherland was also consistent. Like you said, he's consistently playing the same character in every movie he does. Yeah. Um, and if, if you like that, then he's golden for you in this movie. Um, outside of, like... Invasion of the Body Snatchers. I thought he was a little bit different in that, but he had the same, like, intonation. So, same style of delivery, but a, a better character in that film. Uh, he, he's great, man. I mean, Donald Sutherland is... Like I said, if you like his stuff, you like his stuff in everything. Um, yeah. I think we I think both like, good picks, though. I don't think yeah. either is, is wrong, by any means. Yeah. What about Memorable Line? What about Memorable Line? That's your start, not mine. Uh, it's a back and forth between Buffy and Merrick, and I don't think it's the best line of the movie, but it's one of the few times we see character development. Uh, and it's in the, uh, I believe the locker room where Buffy says, I have something that the other girls didn't have. And Merrick says, and what might that be? She responds, my keen fashion sense. And he, he responds with, oh, vampires of the world, beware. It's the first time he actually makes a joke and shows some levity in the character, which then leads to them having a bonding scene 
which does not happen after that in the movie. It's the only time where we actually see, we see no character development from Buffy. She just changes right away. There's there's nothing. But we see Merrick kind of ease into the fact that Buffy is not just like every other slayer that he's trained. She's different. Uh, he can loosen up a bit. Um, she's tough. She can kind of take care of herself. But he still has to guide her, so he's he's feeling comfortable enough that he can start to joke with her. Um, but then they kind of drop it after the scene, which bugged me. Uh, but I really enjoyed the scene. I thought at this point we might actually see him develop more. Sadly, we don't, but it gave me hope. And hope is one thing that this movie is severely lacking. <laughs> um, my best line also came from an interaction between the two of them in the locker room. But not the same one. Um, sure. It was an earlier one when she was arguing with him about not being the real Slayer. I okay. think she's still waving the knife around at this point. And she says, All I want to do is graduate high school, go to Europe, marry Christian Slater, and die. And that line stuck out with me because she said Christian Slater. Yep. Yeah, that's that is a memorable line for sure. I honestly don't have any sort of like elaborate plot or character development reason like you did. I just remembered it because later on I was like, yeah, yeah, she referenced Christian Slater. It's, it's like the only reason I remembered it. Yeah, the saint of BS bargain bin, Christian Slater. Yeah, hey man, <laughs> we got our own little boy stable, I guess. Going, <laughs> um, I don't know. It's most memorable. I don't know why. I just remembered it. Honestly, and that's the same for a memorable scene for me. The exact same reasoning. Exact same rationale. Um, my most memorable scene in this movie hey, is what hey, I... I start off the most memorable scene. What are you doing? Fine, man. Steal my thunder. Stolen. Uh, right. My most memorable scene is Benny floating outside of Pike's window. Okay. Um, Why? Honestly, just like the best line, I couldn't tell you, but if I think back to this movie, even when I was going to pick this movie, that's the one scene that I keep remembering in my mind, is Benny floating outside the window. I mean, that is a common trope in vampire films. Just go right back to Salem's Lot. I don't know. Um, I, don't know. I mean, it's super, a scene. Super effective. It's a scene involving two of the better actors in the movie, Luke Perry and David Arquette. In very different states, David Arquette's got a lot of energy. Luke Perry is playing, you know, yeah. half drunk or whatever. They have a good back and forth. And it's also a visually memorable scene because they do cut yeah. to the outside showing him floating there. Yeah. no, It is a memorable scene for sure. I do have to bring up one thing here, and that is... We may have some problems with the writing. And to an extent, we also have problems with the acting. Uh, casting Luke Perry and David Arquette as best friends was fucking brilliant. I think they play off of each other so well. That might actually be the strongest part of the movie. I, I would probably sooner just watch a movie on Pike and Benny's antics. Yeah, me too, man. Show me that. I'll, I'll buy that. All right. So anyway, now that I've stolen your thunder, what was your most memorable scene? Amelin dying. It's not, <laughs> it's not the best scene by any means. I just... You'll never 29, get... 
29 years later, I still remember that scene. Now, my feeling on it has changed for sure, because 10-year-old Ben thought it was hilarious. 38-year-old Ben thinks this is one of the dumbest scenes of the movie. I agree. I agree. Yeah. But one thing that's not going to happen is you'll remember it. Or one thing that's not going to happen is you forgetting it. Oh, I, well, I'm not going to forget this movie. Any of this movie. It, it was a coin toss between those two scenes. Like, before I rewatched the movie for this review, if somebody said, hey, do you remember that movie, Buffy the Vampire Slayer? Those two scenes would be in my memory. Very fuzzy, very altered, probably not the way that they actually happened. But those are the scenes that I associate with this movie. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Although I do have a question, and that is the motivation behind Paul Rubens trying to get this role. After the whole, like, public exposure thing, did he really think the best way to get back in you know, favorable opinion was to, like, get in good with the kids? We've decided that we don't know who this movie's for. I guess. I mean, I, it, let's let's take for a moment the idea that an actor agrees to a role based on the script that they're given, right? Yeah. If this movie was vastly rewritten by the executive producers and forced to be changed by characters ad-libbing their lines and having to flow with it, is it potentially possible that Paul Rubens might have agreed to doing this movie thinking it was going to be something completely different? Potentially, yes. But if that is the case, they do have the option to uh, to remove themselves from the production. Fair. I mean, he might have agreed to do it because it, you know, maybe he, he thought it would be a better idea to play a character, right? That looks nothing like the Pee Wee Herman we know. Long hair, goatee, playing a vampire yeah, getting a script that is supposedly like more it, yeah. more dark, but then when he gets into it and they're doing all these rewrites, maybe he sticks sticks with it because it's a paycheck and he's maybe not in the best spot to be turning down a paying gig. Yeah. So it's just yeah. speculation, but I mean, it would make sense to me. Entirely possible. I don't right. know. Um, the idea of the the whole Whedon rewrite thing, like. Anybody listening, look up Whedon on Wikipedia and just look at what he's done in film. Uh, honestly, hasn't really directed a whole lot. Everyone gives him credit for um, Firefly. He directed three episodes and wrote five. Uh, there was 14 episodes in that show. Um, everyone thinks about all of his success in uh, Marvel uh, franchises. Um, he directed two Avengers movies and directed uh, post-credit sequences for some others. Like... There's a lot more clout to his career than what he's actually done in his career. Um, so I think the idea that, yeah, this movie was taken away from him, it was rewritten, and this isn't the movie he wanted, I think he's just not as good as everyone believes him to be. And that's a personal stance. Um, well, no but, one's saying that the movie that he wanted to make was going to be good by any means. Yeah, but if this isn't the movie that he wanted to be made, by default you would expect that the movie he wanted to be made would have been a good one. In his mind. Can you imagine if it was worse? Yeah, it's possible. Oh my god. How could you make this movie worse? I I don't know. <laughs> gotcha. <laughs> Jeffrey the Vampire Slayer? Oh god. 
<laughs> You'd forget every scene that happened. Yeah. <laughs> every scene's like, who the fuck's this guy? Yeah. <laughs> and the, the, the version that he makes, he just cuts out Benny and says, see you later, David Arquette. Aww. Oh, boycott. Anyway. All right, man. Like, this was, this was a rough one. Um, I understand why you picked it. Uh, I was really stoked to talk about it until I started watching it, and I got real angry. Uh, I'm glad I stuck with it, though. It turned into a really fun conversation. Um, don't ever do this to me again, though, please. I didn't intentionally do anything to you, man. <laughs> I was hoping this would be a, a, a fun movie to watch. Uh, it was not a fun movie to watch. It was a really fun movie to talk about, though. So I guess really I should be thanking you. Anyway, why don't you get to your final recommendation, then? Uh, fucking don't. Don't do it. Um, no. Uh, definitely watch it with friends. Uh, if you have any nostalgic feelings towards it, don't revisit it. Just be happy with what you remember. Uh, it's not a good movie on its own merits. Uh, it would be a fun watch with a few friends and a couple of beers, but other than that, no, man, I don't recommend this movie. I agree with you. Um, it's not a recommendation unless you're watching it with friends. I can see this being the kind of movie that you cut up and actually have a blast with if you watch yep. it in that mm -hmm. situation. Um, can I just read you a couple of headlines from some of the reviews on IMDb that I disagree with? Sure. I'm not going to cite the scores or the people that wrote them or anything, but one person's headline is not Oscar material, but very smart. Another person wrote as their headline, you have to be seriously uptight not to find this hilarious. I don't like these people. <sighs> maybe this you... is the one maybe this is the one that I would agree with the most from a headline standpoint. Somebody gave it an eight out of ten and said, very well done, but you have to look at it through the right lenses. Okay. Yeah. And that um... lens that lens might be an intoxicated one. Well, I mean, the, also, the movie itself looks good. It looks really good. Um, it just doesn't make sense. No. But it's because they don't explain a lot of things. Like that whole she's not ready thing. You don't, or, you don't have any yeah. build up to that. You don't have any rationale or reasoning. Things just happen in the movie. And the reasoning is because. Like Buffy falling on a vampire and the vampire being killed by it. Hmm. Okay. I think we've talked about this movie enough, Ben. Mm-hmm. Never again. Never again. Uh, <laughs> if you guys have any thoughts on the movie, by all means, share them with us. We would love to read them. You can hit us up on Twitter at BS Bargain Bin. We're also on Facebook. You can email us at bsbargainbin at outlook.com. Yep. I always forget that. I don't know why. Because we don't use it very often, maybe? I don't know. Another thing that we would also love to hear is your pick for the awards in this movie. That being said, Ben, what movie yes. are we watching next week? Next week, we are watching 2006's Abominable.
Until next time, have a good one, guys. All the best, guys.